Blog Talk Radio. Gray between the tackles, Hurd can scramble, 
so it's not like we're just picking. And then, of course, obviously, I got to talk about the 18 wheeler. You get you 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 can't. I mean, that so far has been basically unstoppable with that power package. So there's a lot of different ways we can attack the run game, uh, which is nice. It's not just uh, one one formation or one uh, approach. It's all over the place. It is, and yeah, the, the 18 wheeler package. Uh, I went back and, and rewatched the game on the computer and really watched uh, all of the plays that, that Swoops were in. And you know, I mean, it's like the, the defense knows where it's coming. They know it's coming, and they just still can't stop it. And I and I love the play to where he takes a stutter step and then heads back the other way, and then the offside, the off guard, the the, the fullback goes up in the hole with three blockers. They kick out. And, I mean, it's just, I mean, he gets his momentum going. He's going to fall forward for two, three, four yards. If you hit him at the line of scrimmage um, after he's at full speed, it's a three- or four-yard game. Now, if they catch him in the backfield before he gets his momentum, that that's where, you know, he can't change directions before. But once the full steam starts moving forward, if you make contact at the line of scrimmage, he's falling forward for three, four, and sometimes five yards. So it's the perfect package. Um, you know, when you need one, two, three yards and inside the five-yard line in the red zone. So, um, uh, but I like your point there. Yeah, again, uh, you know, you, you've got herd speed. You've got the, the, the power with Foreman. Uh, and then we saw Chris Warren a little bit. And then obviously with uh, with Eric Gray, uh, with Gray um, he's still got a little quickness. He doesn't have his top-end speed. And then you have the outside speed with DJ. So, yeah, we're, I mean, we're basically, you know, for a lack of better terms, you know, the spread is, is, is you know, teams like Baylor, they, they throw the ball a lot. They're a spread passing team. We're a spread running team is what we are. I mean, it comes at you a lot of different directions with power. Uh, but, but I think now that, that we seem to have that going and it looks like we're pretty good at it, I think now we're hitting it to where you're going to slowly see Norville and, and, and Trailer open up the passing game and we're going to start to see some receivers running wide open down the field as teams start to come up and try to stop the, the run. Uh, I think that's what you're going to see against um, against Iowa State because, obviously, they've got one of not only the worst defense uh, in, the, in the Big 12, one of the worst in the country, and their passing defense is atrocious. So, um, again, we'll talk about Iowa State in a minute, but I think that's exactly how we're going to attack them. And, obviously, with Kansas State, I mean, sometimes they had eight, nine, ten guys up, and we were still able to bust 10, 15, 20, 30-yard runs. And then we did hit them over the top a couple times for some – some some nice passing plays, you know. We were right at a hundred yards passing. Uh, we just didn't need to, and, and I, you know, I did not mind that strategy against K State because of the rain. Just let's just get the win, stay healthy, and get out of there. Because I think it became fairly evident early, other than you know a few plays here and there, that Kansas State was just not going to put together an eighty-yard drive or any consistency on offense um, at that point. So I mean, it, it you know. At that point, the game was over once we got a two-touchdown lead. I mean, yeah, anything could happen, but, you know, we didn't have any turnovers. Yeah, if we would have turned the ball over, it would have changed. But basically, we play clean football there, run the ball a little bit. There was no way K-State was going to win that game. No, I agree 100%. And uh, especially, like you said, when you throw the weather in there, I mean, if you start going crazy and trying to run your full offense, that's where you maybe gift them a couple things and, uh, they're, they're still Kansas State. If you give them some chance or give them some life, they're sure going to take advantage of it. So, yeah, during the game, I never really felt, even when it was, uh, you know, within, I guess, a touchdown at one point or, or a couple touchdowns, I just never really felt like I needed to get real nervous. Uh, 
I would have liked to put them completely away a little bit earlier, but, uh, you know, I think you're right. The weather, I think, had something to do with that as well. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty nasty. I, I sat through the, you know, the entire game other than halftime. I did walk back up under and grab something to eat, and I even stayed a little bit after the game to, you know, to sing the eyes. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a steady – I mean, it was a steady, pretty good rain, and I, I was pretty covered up pretty well, and I was still a wet noodle. Um, and, you know, and it had a little, it was a little windy at times, a little gusty. Um, you know, I don't know what the the real attendance was. I think they, you know, said eighty eight thousand. There definitely wasn't no eighty eight thousand in there. I, um, you know, I guess if I was throwing a dart at it, um, I mean, fifty five thousand. I, I think it was right around there. It may have pushed sixty. I don't think it was in the 40s, mid-40s. Maybe it was low 50s, you know. But it, it was somewhere within there, seven or 8,000 either way. But, but I will say this. The people that were in there, um, it, it, it sometimes it sounded louder with, with, with the people that were there than it did when we've had 100,000. And I'm going to talk about that for a second because the people that obviously were there and showed up for that were the people that are the loudest regardless of, of, of how great the weather is. Um, the diehards were there. The, 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 the sit on their hands, um, you know, people just didn't, they didn't show up. So, again, they weren't missed because they don't scream anyway. So that's why it sounded the same. I mean, there was as much noise when there needed to be from the 55,000, 60,000, when sometimes there's 90-plus thousand, I mean, which is a positive for great for the people that showed up. But, again, it's a negative, that, you know, basically when we have a full stadium, it's still, you know, the sucky atmosphere. And we – we beat that conversation to death, but so we're not going to rehash it. But I did want to make that point that those that were there were pretty dead gum loud, and it was a good atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think uh, <clears throat> we've seen that before in games like that. I think we were reminiscing about previous weather games like the Iowa State. When they cleared the stadium and maybe half the fans came back, uh, the people that came back made just as much noise as the full stadium earlier in the day. All right, well, let's shift gears, and before we, you know, talk about Iowa State, uh, I do want to talk about a little bit just the Big 12 in general, um, you know, where, where I think the Big 12 is headed. We've got Baylor currently sitting there at 4-0, TCU's at 4-0, Oklahoma State's at 4-0, so they're all up there, and obviously none of them have played each other. So the next three or four weeks it's going to shape out. Then you got Oklahoma sitting there at 3-1, and and then we're there at 3, um, excuse me, at 2-2, two and two, uh, and, I, you know, it's going to start to eat me up now because we still we should be sitting there at three and one. That damn Oklahoma game is just going to Oklahoma State game is going to haunt me now until the end of the year. I, I was I was hoping to let it go, but it, it's going to really haunt me now. But and you know, and I was going to say this: at least our punter uh, redeemed himself. You know, we had the bad snap this game, and obviously he you know got it off, and it ended up we got a great roll. So a disaster turned into about a sixty yard plus uh, punt. So at least he didn't panic this time. He did he did figure it out. So. Um, kudos to the to the young man there. And then you got Texas Tech at two and three, and then you know who really cares about the last four? Iowa State one and three, West Virginia sitting there at zero and three, K State zero and four, and Kansas is zero and four. So um, you know the, the, it, it's playing out right now uh, exactly how I, I predicted it. Um, I was not high on West Virginia. I knew once they got into the meet, um, they're going to be zero and four after this week. They play at TCU. We'll talk about all the predictions later, but. Um, I think this thing is, is, is going to be a lot more interesting now. Um, obviously, with you know Baylor losing their quarterback for the year, they're going to bring in a you know a true freshman. 
yes, he was a five-star. Yes, he was one of the number one, you know, depending on which ranking you look at. But, you know, number one or number two rated quarterback coming out of high school. Uh, he has all the tools. He's going to be a good one. Question for Baylor now, um, is it plug and play? Can he really step in and, and, and take off where Seth Russell was? I think in some instances, yes, he's got a good arm. They've got a good offensive line. Um but let's get real. He was playing high school football this time last year, and I think he's going to make some mistakes. He's probably not going to be as quick getting rid of the ball in, in some situations, so he's probably going to throw an interception. He's probably going to throw some incompletes on some things. So some series that, that may be touchdown drives or may pick up first downs uh, are now going to be punts and three and outs, or you know they're not going to pick up the third and ten like they would with Russell. Um, so they're going to look. What, I, what I'm saying with Baylor is the way I see them play out is they're going to lose some offensive possessions. Instead of scoring four out of eight possessions, it may go to three out of eight now. I mean, they're going to still move the ball because they're, they're a talented football team, uh, and the defense is, is, is better than what Baylor has had. But I, but I think they're going to lose some opportunities as a whole. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to be as explosive. Now, I may be perfect to come back after two weeks and say, my gosh, they hadn't missed a beat. But as I sit here today, I really believe uh, that's what's going to happen. So you got Baylor with, with quarterback issues now. You got TCU uh, with defensive issues that has not caught up to them yet. I think eventually it will. We're going to start to see that. And then Oklahoma State sits there at four and zero, and I just—I mean, I just look at them. I saw them play us. They just keep winning, um, but I don't know how. I mean, their defense is obviously very good. Their offense is average, um, so I think they could drop some games. And then we get to our good friends of Norman, who we made look just pathetic. I think they're hitting their stride. So basically, I honestly feel that. I mean, if we were at three and one, uh, even though we got blown out at, 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 at TCU, if we beat Oklahoma State, I could honestly sit here and feel if we ran the table, we'd be in the Big Twelve, uh, you know, conversation. But we're not. But I think we're a notch under. But I think as it sits today, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, or Baylor, when we wake up, you know, Sunday, December sixth. I, I will not be surprised at this point now that any four of those teams are one. One of them is the Big 12 champion. Um, one of and they you know and the champion has one loss, or we have two or three one-loss teams. And then what does that do now? Does the Big 12 get left out of a playoff again because of that? So does one of these teams have to run the table, Oklahoma State, TCU, or Baylor, uh, to get get the Big 12 in a playoff? So I know that I just said a lot. So I'll let you dissect what I just said. Well, yeah, I mean, the, you know, amazing thing about the scheduling um, is the Big 12 is going to get a whole lot of national attention in November um, because yeah. it's just one week after another, you know, these showdown games. Uh, you know, if they if they all take care of business um, and then lose to each other and they're very good games and people start talking about the Big 12 like they kind of did in 08 where – you know, the revolving door at the top after, you know, we beat OU and then Tech beats us and OU beats Tech, or sorry, OU beats Tech. I mean, all all of those teams still got a lot of national respect, you know, and, and three mm-hmm. one-loss teams didn't matter. I think, you know, where you start to see the wild cards is, you know, if Oklahoma State loses to Tech this weekend or if TCU drops to West Virginia, or, you know, somebody loses out of schedule. Uh, then, you know, it brings kind of the whole thing down. And then if you're all sitting at one loss, you know, it's it, or, you know, maybe one of those TCU or Oklahoma State or somebody has two losses now, uh, I think, you know, people won't have that same, like, oh, this is murderer's row. They'll just say, well, it was a pretty 
pretty good parity in that conference, but as a whole, there was no outstanding team, um, which is, uh, I'm afraid with Baylor, you know, obviously not a, I'm not a Baylor fan at all, but uh, what I saw of them against West Virginia and some of the little parts of other games I saw, I really thought maybe this is their shot. So I really, you know, feel bad for them because you don't want this thing settled by season-ending injuries, uh, especially when you start talking about somebody's neck and, you know, fractures and stuff like that. Um, but, I, you know, I, yeah, I think, I, I think Baylor, if you had asked me before the injury, I thought Baylor really had a, a, a great shot to actually run the table in this conference, which would have made uh-huh. them a slam dunk. I mean, they might have been the number one seed overall if they do that. Uh, but the cool thing is I just, you know, what I'm hoping for is, uh, is good football. And, uh, you know, if, if we, if we as a conference put on a show, uh, you know, I think even a one loss team is going to have a, a good argument. And of course, you got to look around and see what happens elsewhere. I think uh, I think there's going to be a whole mess of one-loss teams, and then we're going to get back to the conference rah-rah stuff, which you love so much because uh, you know people are going to start debating one-loss teams by, well, is the Big Ten better than the Big Twelve, or is the SEC better than the Pac-12, and all that nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I wish I, I really did do wish I felt. Better about, I mean, you know, I mean, if, if you know Baylor get in the playoffs, I mean, or or whatever. But you know, I just, I mean, I don't really care if any of them get left out. I just, I, I don't, because I, I just, because I, I mean, I just it doesn't bother me. I guess it should, but I can't change my my thought processes, you know. But I mean, let's look at Oklahoma's schedule. I mean, they got Kansas this week. Uh, I mean, obviously that's a win. Then they got, and then they got um, Iowa State. And then it gets real. They're at Baylor, TC at home, at Oklahoma State for Bedlam. So Oklahoma's the season, um, season is going to be defined in November, November 14th, 21st, and 28th, three games in a row. They're going to know where they are after the 28th. I mean, they're going to have a very good indication. And, I mean, it sets up nicely for them. They get Baylor. they got to go to Baylor. Um, they get TCU at home, um, you know, so that's t- that's going to be a tough, tough out for TCU up in Norman. And then they go to Oklahoma State, and I don't care at them. I mean, that's that's basically I don't you know. There's not much home field advantage for, in Bedlam for me. I mean, Oklahoma State has dominated that series. Uh, Oklahoma State's won a few of them at late last year. They got lucky with the you know the, the punt return and you know at the last second. So Oklahoma, you know, if Oklahoma has you know beats Baylor, beats TCU, and they're going into Oklahoma State with a chance to play for the play, for a playoff spot with their only loss to us, um, you know, they're going to come out and play well. So, I mean, again, their, their destiny is, 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 is obviously right in their, in, in their hands. So, I mean, um, I mean, Oklahoma still has a, a ton to play for. And the same thing with Baylor. I mean, they've got, they still have TCU, Oklahoma State. I mean, all three of those teams are all still have each other. So, like you said, November, uh, you know, if, if you are a Big 12 fan, uh, there, like you said, there's, it's getting ready to get real and there's going to be some national exposure. And I don't care that they're Big 12 games. Uh, as a college football fan, I'm going to be, you know, glued to the set, you know, watching yeah. those um, watching those games because it's going to be, you know, top five, you know, top ten matchups. So it's going to be exciting football. And basically for those three teams, here in about two weeks, the playoffs have started in effect. I mean, yeah. I mean the playoffs are here for – I mean, it's already here. I mean, you know, we're talking about a 14 playoff. For those three teams, the playoffs have started because either one of them lose one, they're probably out, especially for Oklahoma. So for Baylor and TCU, well, the playoffs Mike, have started. Mike, that's what I was going to say is that, you know, as a Texas as Texas fans that are listening to this, 
the kind of the funny thing is I think our victory over them at the fair is going to be the gift that keeps on giving throughout the rest of the year because if Oklahoma runs the table, I think of, of you know, as a one-loss team, they've still got the worst resume because it'll mean they've got that loss to, you know, Texas sitting there. Uh, and, and if they're, let's say, Notre Dame's in the consideration, well, Notre Dame beat that same Texas team 38-3. So, uh, yeah. I'm not saying Oklahoma's screwed because there's a long way to go and God only knows what might happen, but uh, they're really they're really hurt. Whereas if Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, their only loss is later in the year, but it's to one of these other top dogs in the conference, uh, even yes. when you compare that. You know, if Oklahoma State runs the table, but their only loss is to Baylor, uh, and Oklahoma, uh, you know, well, obviously Oklahoma would have two losses at that point, but uh, the those other guys, if they lose to one of the other top dogs, they they still got a decent argument depending on, you know, how the stupid tiebreaker works out with the conference. Well, let me go into some breaking volleyball news. Number two, Texas volleyball just fell three games mm-hmm. or three sets to zero to TCU. Horns now 8-1 and in Big 12 conference play. Uh, it, it, I was going to bring this up earlier. It just seems with our, our volleyball team, which is you know has been so dominant, um, you know I guess going on a decade now. Really, they always have that one game in the Big Twelve every year. Last year it was against Oklahoma. They got swept. This year it's against a horrible TCU team that they come out and lay an egg. And, and I like what some some people on Twitter are saying. You know, it's like Elliot just doesn't care and just has one game where he just doesn't try to win it just to re-motivate his team. And, you know, you start to say, well, there's no way a coach would do that. But, I mean, I think this is three or four years in a row they've done this, and they go on and, and win the rest of their games. But they looked atrocious. Um, I watched a little bit of it on Longhorn Network. It didn't look good. Um, it was They, they were just they – they just did not play well tonight. So, um, they got swept. But, uh, again, no, no, don't panic. The, the volleyball team will be back. But um, it's just interesting that every year – uh, they they drop a, a Big Twelve game against a team that they sh- that they should probably destroy ninety nine out of a hundred times, but it's you know it is what it is. We'll we'll wake up in five weeks and they'll be in the final four, and we'll we'll talk about it then. <laughs> so the the Big Twelve races back to the Big Twelve. It's definitely going to be um, fun fun to watch in November here, starting on next weekend on the seventh and on out because um it it is wide open and you know it's gonna be interesting to see again what Baylor does, if TCU's defense can hold up and you know, honestly I think the team that benefits the most um from from Baylor losing their quarterback is a TCU because I think Patterson still has some good players on defense and I think he's gonna be able to confuse us Tedman, you know a little bit, and, and I think we benefit. I think the game, which may have, you know, had a, you know, depending on how he looks, a 14 or 15 point spread maybe moves to seven now because our defense is improving, and I feel confident that Strong and Bedford can put together some some coverages and some, some packages to confuse him. So, um, you know, the Horns just need to keep taking care of business. Well, I'm now I'm going to shift gears and throw something at you, Matt, and I'll let you even go first. As a matter of fact, I'll go first because you may have to think about it. We're about basically halfway through the season. I was going to do this last week, but we had so much to cover. Let's go with our offensive and defensive MVP. Or it could be you could have a co-offensive or co-defensive MVP. And I've actually really got two on offense. Uh, And and obviously my first choice is obviously because this team would not be where they were at if Gerard Hurd doesn't step in and start playing like he plays. Um, 
So I'm going. Um, I'm going with Gerard Hurd. It's obviously a, 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 an MVP of the offense halfway through the season. And then I kind of. I guess if you put Gerard, you know, one A, I've got a one B, and I'm going to have to go with with, with the, uh, the the true freshman offensive lineman, Behe and, and Connor Williams. I mean, have they made mistakes? Have they missed blocks? But, I mean, for two 18-year-old guys to go from high school football, and even though they played big-time high school football, to step in and play at the level they have played um, uh, the, the first half of the season. And I've really watched them a lot when I'm able to watch the game online and slow it down and go frame by frame. Um, man, those guys, I mean, they're both going to be all Big 12. I'm not going to be shocked if they're both not All-American and playing on Sunday here in a few years. I mean, we really hit the jackpot with offensive linemen um, with those two. Now, if we can just find a couple more around them. And I think they're a big part of why the, uh, the, the offensive line is improvement. So that's my offensive guys. And then, I, I guess I'm, then I'm going to give uh, another award on offense or a team award, and since I'm talking about offenses, I'm going to give it to uh, I'm just damn proud of the way you've handled yourself, and I'm going to tell you what, that's Tyrone Swoops. I had become a huge fan. I, I was down on him the way he was playing. I mean, it was atrocious. I think if you, you even asked him, he, he knew he wasn't playing well. He didn't handle it well. And I don't know if he took over the starting role tomorrow if he would play any better. But, I mean, when he was benched, he could have went off to the side and sucked. He could have quit. He could have transferred. He could have been a virus in the locker room. There's a lot of things he could have did. Uh, and there's, but I'll tell you what, he showed his character. He showed that, I mean, I, I, am, I'm, I may be his biggest fan now. Um, that guy is cheering when the defense is on the field. He's cheering when the offense. He comes in there and he runs hard. He gives it his all for his package, and you can tell he's practiced it. Uh, I'm damn proud of Tyrone Swoops. Um, so before we go to defense, I'll let you hit your offensive guys. Yeah, um, I'll, let me just echo uh, the Tyrone Swoops uh, stuff because, first of all, I mean, I think really we might look back on this some way, sometime down the road and talk about what a genius uh, coaching move this was just in general to put this package together for the guy because, I mean, obviously a lot of the credit goes to him because he stayed engaged and, uh, you know, is a team player, you can tell that. But the coaches made damn sure that he was going to stay engaged because as soon as he lost the starting job, they, they cobbled together this uh, 18-wheeler package. And I think not only was it great for swoops, but it gave the team some identity. I think, you know, that Oklahoma game – uh, especially when they rolled that out there in, you know, the biggest rivalry game of the year against Big Bad Oklahoma and Swoops and company are just blowing people off the line. And Swoops is running over guys in the in the secondary two plays in a row. I mean, you know, would you have ever expected I'd even say that sentence about Swoops last year, you know, like just running people no. over and playing nasty. I mean, it just really, I think, and that I think carried over to the entire team. Uh, it was like, holy crap, you know, I, I, I agree with what's, what Strong has said is, you know, these guys just needed something to happen to go their way to feel like what they're doing is, and all this work they're putting in is paying off. And I think that really was the eye-opening thing of, hey, you know what, we can play physical, nasty football. And there's teams, especially in the Big 12, that are geared up to stop the high-flying, you know, Boykins and Seth Russells of the world and Patrick Mahomes. Is now you got to deal with these guys who are totally different, uh, a totally different mindset you got to have on defense. So, uh, you know, obviously Hurd's got to be number one. Um, 
but I, I, another guy I'd throw into the mix there because he also had to change uh, change his role, and that would be Blewett from uh, from moving from the defense to the to the offense. He's made a couple of big big catches. Uh, I know the first one he made, I couldn't believe he made. I think that was the Oklahoma State game. Uh, but I think he also brought some of that nastiness to the to the team. And you know, you watch him; if he's in there blocking, dude. He he's bringing it, uh, and he's become kind of a, a leader on that offense as well. So he'd be a guy I'd definitely give an honorable mention on the offensive side. Yeah, I, I think all those are, are good choices. Well, if we move to the defensive side of the ball, this is where it gets um, a, a little bit tougher. Uh, I mean, obvious, the obvious choice, you know, you could go with the Malik Jefferson. Um, you know, Peter Jenkins has, has stepped up. Um, you know, uh, Holton Hill stepping in. Um, Davis, Duke Thomas. Uh, but the guy I'm going to go with, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, the – the whole half of the season, you know, he had a slow start. Uh, but the re- the number one reason this defense has looked the way it has from the right before the Oklahoma game, you know, even at TCU, he 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 was he played fairly well considering everybody else different didn't. And then in the OU game, it started to blossom, and in K State, he was unblockable again. And that is Hassan Ridgeway. I mean, he is he's the reason the defense is doing what it can do now is because teams are not able to gash us up the middle. He has completely shut down the inside running game, and it's made it now where they've got to to um, to account for where he's at and put an extra man on him because there's not one offensive line lineman blocking him one-on-one. And I read an interesting quote today uh, from, from, uh, from some players, uh, and they said, um, you know, he's playing – now in games like they all saw in practice, and, and almost every offensive line has, lineman has echoed this, that when he really when he wants to play, he's he was he's harder to block in practice than Malcolm Brown was last year, and we know what a high level um, he was played at. So by far, uh, my defensive MVP so far um, is Hassan Ridgeway, and then obviously a, a close second. Uh, is Malik Jefferson and then Holton Hill at defensive back. What Holton Hill um, he are able to do now is just stick him outside on any receiver, uh, and you're going to see that this week against some of them big six five, six four receivers that Iowa State has. You can stick him outside, and you don't have to worry about him. He's going to cover. Um, he's going to give up some plays, but, man, you can just put him on an island, and he's another true freshman that's going to play on Sundays. Um, I mean, we've got some NFL talent uh, with these freshmen. And then my defensive guy, I guess, um, True Grit Award, same thing as Tyrone Swoops, a, 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 an older guy. All these, uh, you know, Wheeler, Freeman, Jefferson, all these young guys coming in to play on defense had a chance um, when he wasn't getting a lot of snaps early in the season, really had a chance to go sit on the bench and, 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 and wide and be a virus in the in, in the locker room. But know what he did, he, he – you know, got himself together, practiced hard, earned the respect of the defensive coaches, and when he got his time um, and we started getting more stats, he stepped up, and that's Peter Jenkins. Um, he was a player that had, has not blossomed. I mean, came in with a lot of high hopes, showed flashes here and there, but then would go games and you would never see him. Uh, I think the fire that Malik Jefferson and all those freshmen and the accountability has pushed Peter Jenkins to be the best player he can be, and I think now – there's a chance that he he probably won't get drafted, but he's going to get invited to a camp as a free agent, 
And I think there's a good chance Peter Jenkins may be able, if he can continue what he's done the last four games in an NFL um, training camp, he may just find himself on an NFL team. So, again, props to another senior for taking the tutelage of Strong and the younger guys and stepping up and getting your game right your last year. So, good job, Peter Jenkins. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed the ones I was going to cover. I think Peter Jenkins is a guy that I loved, uh, you know, when he first came onto the 40 Acres. And he, mm-hmm. you, you said it exactly right. He showed flashes, and I thought, oh, my God, this guy's going to be a monster by the time he's a senior. Uh, and I think he's one of these guys that just got lost in the shuffle of, the, you know, not only the coaching change from Mac to Strong, but also, we, you know, we flipped through defensive coordinators before Mac left and, I, I just think he got a little – I don't know, you know, what's going on in, in his head, but I just feel like he got a little bit lost. Um, but, man, he's playing with heart, that's for sure. And that OU game, I mean, he was all over the place. And against K-State, he made plays as well. So definitely agree with that. I was going to say Holton Hill. I, I think Ridgeway is the obvious choice. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing about football is – you know, it's 11 guys out there, but there's one or two linchpins, right, where if, if it's not happening, all of a sudden it makes other players look bad. Now the linebackers don't look as good if Ridgeway's not making any, you know, pressure up the middle because the linebackers are trying to overcompensate or they're playing the run and they're biting on play action and they're doing all this stuff. You know, once your lines are, are performing, <laughs> those guys, the other seven seven guys or so in the you know backfield, uh, they can start focusing on what they need to focus on, and then all of a sudden, guys just start looking better. You know, and I think a lot of times when we watch these games, we focus on, you know, one player, and this guy's not having a good game, or this guy's struggling. But you got to kind of look at the big picture, uh, because I've noticed the whole team looks a lot better. And I think you're exactly right that it starts with uh, the with the uh, anchors that we've got now at tackle. Uh, and, you know, you see, too, like Puna Ford making more plays. Other yeah. guys on the line are making more plays because Ridgeway is really the guy that starts the motor. And if offensive linemen are thinking about him uh, or they're doubling him, now that's time for somebody else like Ford or Shiro or somebody like that to step up and, and make a play. And, yeah, Holton Hill on the secondary, I mean, I'm just – you know, it's funny, as soon as you mentioned this question, I started rattling through names on the defense. And one interesting thing to me is it just seems like, you know, we we haven't gotten entirely consistent, you know, on performance, but every week it seems like there's another guy that kind of just stands out. And there's a lot of them on that list. So, you know, guys are starting to, to develop. And, uh, you know, you guys, you have the consistent guys like Duke Thomas, uh, Malik, you know, they're just, they're kind of there every week. Uh, but some of these other dudes are stepping up, and Holton Hill's been almost up to that consistent level, and obviously had the big pick six against Oklahoma State. Um, so I, I'm amazed. You know, we've seen some really good freshman cornerbacks, or or really good cornerbacks, come through Texas that ended up playing in the league for ten years, and as freshmen they were lost as can be. <laughs> so the fact that these guys are actually balling out as freshmen, you know, that starts. I'm not comparing these guys and saying they're going to have the same career, but I look back at like Earl Thomas. That was a guy that from day one he was awesome. Uh, but Cedric Griffin and some of these other guys, they they went through some real struggles. Uh, and I think these guys are uh-huh. are ahead of the curve right now. And hopefully they just keep developing. And they'll, they're going to be a pretty salty bunch here in a couple of years. Yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you, guy, when when we look back, uh, you know, several years from now, the, the one who you know has played a lot on special teams the last few weeks and. Um, he hasn't been getting many snaps um, in the in the secondary, and and I, you know we all know why he sent out the stupid retweeted halftime. It's frustration, but 
don't don't sleep on um, on Chris Boyd. Um, he may he yeah. may be the best of all of all of them that I mentioned. Um, he's going to be a starter back there, uh, probably if not by the end of this year. And once you know Strong takes his thumb off of him a little bit, obviously thumb, um, Strong is punishing and sending him a little message, you know, make him grow up a little bit. And he's going to be a better player for it, uh, no doubt. Um, but I mean, Chris Boyd. I mean, people may not know this or listen. He's probably two hundred and ten pounds, maybe two fifteen. You know, you know, he's at least two hundred plus, six uh, two, uh, and is a legit four three five, four three six guy. I mean, he has elite speed, body, and ability. Uh, I mean, once once he figures it all out, he is going to be a freak in the secondary. Then he's so hope and Hill out there. And, and, and it finally hit me this week, the light bulb came on. Um, Strong, is, is, is it's pretty easy now. Uh, I can almost pick players out um, who Strong is going to offer on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, look at Holton Hill, 6'2", 6'3", you know, 205. Will, will come up and light you up, can run like a deer, long arms, lanky and can run. Chris Boyd, um, Devontae Davis out of Florida. He's another 6'1", 6'2", kid that can run. What he's done is he understands what offenses are in the Big 12 and what kind of defensive backs it takes to, to lock people down. And you can't sit back in a zone. You've got to have big guys that can, can mandle receivers lock them down, and then let your front seven get after the quarterback. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And, and he, he, I mean, Strong knows what we're doing, what he's doing on defense, even though it looked atrocious. So um, I think we've got some good choices there. But that's my prediction right now is before it's all said and done, I think Holton Hill is going to be great. Um, Davis is going to be great. Gonna be, but in three or four years, um, when this class of seniors, the one that's going to be the – the, the the stud of the stud I have a feeling is going to be Chris Boyd um, if, if he gets his, if he grows up and gets his um, head on straight and just um, plays football. So, <laughs> excuse me, been fighting a little cough like everybody has. Well, let's talk about the Iowa State game a little bit, and then we'll move into our top four, and then we'll talk about that wonderful football team and <clears throat> excuse me, College Station that has just had so much success the last few weeks, and then we'll do our picks and get out of here a little early tonight. Iowa State is pretty simple to me, Matt. Going up there, Halloween night, um, Iowa State has a uh, going to have a new quarterback. Yeah, he came in, looked pretty good against Baylor um, after Baylor had pretty much got a big lead. New offensive coordinator. Um, so I, I think they're going to be in a, in a little disarray on offense. Uh, I think our, our defense, we're going to, you know, I, I think we're going to be fine on defense. Um, I don't think their defense is going to be able to slow down our offense. I think we're. I think you're going to see Hurd hit some big passes for for some touchdowns. Um, I think we're going to be able to run the ball. The key is the first six to eight minutes of the game. Iowa State's going to come out with a lot of motion. If Iowa State gets the ball first, which we'll probably defer, you you get it, get them, you know, get them the punt that first series. Take the ball, ram it down their throat, go up seven nothing, um, hold them again. Do the same thing. Go up fourteen nothing. Game will be over. Emotion. The quiet. The crowd will be quiet, and it'll it'll be over, and we'll just pound out another win. Um, so with that said, I'm going to go ahead and make my prediction now. I'm going thirty four, thirteen, Texas, and I've been at, and I almost went forty one thirteen, but I think what will happen once we get a lead, we'll just grind out the win uh, on the ground. Strong will you know throw throw the ball again. Um, so we'll probably. I think we're going to jump out about 27 to 6 at halftime. 
and you know, and then we'll you know we'll grind it out, and we you know it we'll probably end up at about 34, 13, 34, 16. So that's my prediction. What's your thoughts on Iowa State? Well, first of all, uh, thanks a lot to the Big 12 because I think this is the third time in the last, I guess since the Big 12 formed, that we're on the road uh, on Halloween, um, which is awesome. I mean, thanks for not letting us play a home game on Halloween. I mean, I just feel like, you know, there's a lot circling around. Ames is always a tough place to play at night. It's Halloween. Play's going to be insane. Uh, so I think, you know, one thing thinking about this game is, you know, obviously the Oklahoma game and Kansas State games have looked impressive. I'm super glad that this is the case, but it's something to keep in mind is we really, I mean, we've boat raced both of those games. We jumped out in front and we just held held the lead. And really, you know, even going back to the Oklahoma game, uh, you know, they put a little bit of heat on us in the second half, but at no point were we really in danger of losing either one of those games. Uh, so I think if you're thinking about, you know, how does this young Texas team develop uh, and things that make me nervous is, number one, we have looked like dog crap on the road. Uh, we've played two true yep. road games and haven't even shown up. So I think that that's going to be the message. But until they do it, you know, uh, it's a cause for a little bit of alarm. Um, and I guess, you know, uh, I'd like to at least score double digits on the road in a game would be uh, a, a small victory. <laughs> Uh, that's number one. Number two is just, you know, to that point is, uh, you know, if Oklahoma, or sorry, if Iowa State does jump out early, which I, I agree with you, I mean, they're going to come out uh, fired up. Paul Rhodes is a, is a cornered dog right now fighting for his job, and beating Texas might just save it, as ridiculous as that sounds, since we're not a, you know, top ten team. But um, I, I think I think Iowa State somehow gets an early lead uh, and maybe jumps all over us early, uh, and that's where I want to see – uh, how this Texas team responds. Now, uh, you know, even if it's 14 nothing five minutes into the game, you don't have to abandon the run. you got plenty of time left, and I, I don't think this team is prone to panic on the coaching staff and the play calling, but there's a different kind of pressure on herd, offensive line, defense, and everything uh, if you're playing from behind a little bit. So I, 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 that's kind of how I see the game going. I see us uh, – I see it being close just because I think we'll probably have a, a rough start given the circumstances, uh, even if we do control the game, you know, in the second half, uh, we might have a little bit of a hole to climb out of. So I, I feel like this is going to be a really close game. And since it's Iowa State, I mean, come on, we know it's Iowa State. So I'm I'm actually going to predict uh, Texas 28, Iowa State 27, and Iowa State will miss a 30-yard field goal at the buzzer to lose. Oh, brutal. All right, well, let's talk about our top four at the playoffs for this weekend. We were on the committee, and, and and we had the pick, and I'll just go first. No, really, one through four, Any, you know, you can interchange any of mine. But, again, until somebody beats Ohio State, they're going to stay in my top four because they just continue to win games, and they're 8-0. Uh, I'm going to move TCU back in this week. Um, so, TCU's back in my top four. And then I've got LSU still in the top four until somebody beats them. And this is where it gets real interesting, okay? Um, Michigan State, I'm not putting them in the top four because they really should have had a loss. But if they run the table in a couple weeks, I'll I'll, I'll revisit them. Um, Alabama's right there looking in, but they do have the one loss to Ole Miss. And um, Stanford's right there. Um, you know, Oklahoma State's undefeated, but again, they're they're on back down a little bit. So I'm having to go with a team that that just keeps winning. They haven't they haven't showed they haven't dabbled themselves yet, so I may be jinxing them this week, 
But I've got to go with the Clemson Tigers in my top four. So Ohio State, TCU, LSU, and Clemson, and Utah, it was good knowing you. We'll holler at you in 2036. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I can't remember, but I think that I put Utah in my top four last week, which if you're scoring at you home, I think that's, that's the fourth week yeah. in a row that I've put a team into the top four and they've immediately mm-hmm. crapped the bed. And, I mean, they, the yep. teams I'm putting in the top four don't just lose. They just get annihilated. Uh, so exactly. so that's pretty pretty embarrassing. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to start with Ohio State. I'm keeping them number one until further notice. Um, let's see. God, that, this Big 12 is just a, a mess. I mean, I you know what? I'm not going to punish Baylor for losing their quarterback until we see what they look like uh, with the with the new guy. I would hope the committee will do the same. So I'm going to put Baylor at number two. Uh, I'm going to have Alabama at number three, and I'll uh, have Stanford at number four. Mm, I think that you could make an argument for all of them. Yeah, I, I was basically looking for a reason to get Baylor out of my top four, so it, it didn't take much for me. Quarterback change. Uh, you know, a wide receiver, break a toenail. I, I was looking for any reason to get him out of my top four. So, <laughs> Baylor's going to have to really show me something. Or, you know, I, I, Baylor, Baylor, to me, honestly, I, I'm just going to say it, has, has become – Baylor has become the new Aggie for me in, 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 on our schedule. I mean, they've become – their fans are so Aggie, it, it, it's just unreal. So, they have they have replaced Aggie in my life um, of hate. So, I've just got – I have a real disdain – for all things Baylor, so you know I'm just going to get real. You know I just I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So it is what it is. But now, but since we brought up um, the life of Aggie, boy, how things have shifted the last two weeks. Sitting there at five and zero, oh, big night game. Alabama comes in, and next thing you know, it goes bad, and the the, the five star quarterback, the the legacy himself, curses out a coach and doesn't get then gets benched and doesn't want to go back in the game. They make him travel to Ole Miss and sit on the sideline and then then they punish him and don't let him play. And I tell you what, I could I could honestly say, because I'm a Longhorn fan, I know what bad quarterback play looks like. I have identified it, I have sniffed it, I have lived it and I have drunk enough beer to endure it the last few years. I know what bad quarterback play looks like. Trust me. We have seen it firsthand for years under the last few years of Mac Brown. But I don't think I ever saw a stretch of bad quarterback play that Kyle Allen did up in Oxford. That, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to blast the kid because he's still a kid. I mean, something's not right. He obviously, I mean, he's got to be injured. His shoulder, his arm. I mean, I mean, there was times that he had plenty of time to throw, and, and the guy was eight yards from him, and he threw it to the third third row of the stand. So uh, I really feel sorry for him. Um, but now this week, obviously, Sumlin said he's opening the, the competition back up. So, I mean, what does he do? I mean, if he starts, if he starts, goes with Murray, Tyler, you're you're rewarding a kid who didn't practice hard, who cursed out your offensive coordinator. So, what message does that send? Uh, if you go with Kyle Allen and his shoulder's not right and he looks horrible, uh, again, you bench him and then go back to Kyle or you just go with the Juco guy and see if he's, a, you know. Basically, I would have never predicted, uh, but, I mean, Aggie's quarterback position is worse than ours right now. I mean, it really – I mean, it is literally worse than ours, uh, which, you know, just tears me up inside, actually. I just don't know how to control <laughs> myself, I'm, you know. But, I mean – 
and then their and their offensive line is atrocious. So I think what you're seeing here uh, is is the offensive line recruiting has not been as well. They've losing the, they've lost all those first round guys, and the quarterback position is bad. And what's funny is they they haven't even recruited. They're not even recruiting a 2016 guy. They went all in on this, you know, the, the, the Mattel guy out of Arizona for 2017. Um, but if this thing doesn't – doesn't, I just don't see it ending well. I, I could see Kyler um, transferring this this summer, or I could see Kyle Allen transferring. I don't see how they keep either one of them. Um, but um, but someone's got a mess on his hands, and people may not believe this. Uh, the clock is ticking on him. I, I think he's in real trouble at this point because – um, and boy, if you go read the Aggie boards, it, it was as bad as I mean, it was as bad as I've ever seen it. I mean, it, it's getting rough over there. So um, I know we don't like to talk about Aggie, but what are your quick thoughts on their quarterback position? Because I don't, I'm sure you watch the game. Something's not right with Kyle Allen because he is a good quarterback, but it's just not clicking right now with him. Yeah, um, after the game, uh, got got to chance to go to one of the sports bars in Austin, and so I was able to watch a handful of games at the same time, um, and got a good look at the A&M game and dude, something's got it. I mean, this is the the weird situation. So I, I can only assume Allen, I mean, he did get banged up in the, in the Alabama game. I don't think he was right. Those, there were plays all over the place that were there, uh, throws that were there. It's not like Ole Miss's defense was, you know, all over the place. Like you said, he is missing receivers. To me, it just looked like I mean, either the guy I I don't I just can't imagine that a, a quarterback who I've you know he's looked pretty good in times that I've watched him that he just somehow regressed and turned awful. I think he was playing hurt. The the unfortunate thing is when you have the Murray thing blow up, and if that was going on during the week, uh, I mean, what do you do? Because you got Allen, who I mean, they, it looks like what they did is they told him to you know rub some. Vicks Vapo rub on that shoulder and get back out there because we're not putting Murray yeah, exactly. in because he's grounded for a week. Uh, but God, that's a horrible approach to go into you know Oxford on a night game. The only thing I think, just from my analysis of it, was it felt like you know if if he's not hurt and he's not made, able to make all the throws, you got to change the game plan up a little bit and come up with either you know something, you know, a little bit shorter throws or something like that. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm just going purely off memory, which might have been clouded by a few beers that night. But, you know, he was still trying mid-range throws, not too many deep balls, but I, I would have gone maybe a little bit more to the, you know, the drawed herd type of thing where make quick, easy throws when, you know, when herd came in, uh, you know, just get him in the rhythm. It's something that even if he's a little banged up, he can he can at least make something happen. Uh, it just felt like the wheels were just kind of coming off. Uh, now, what's hilarious is, you know, we hear nothing about, nothing but, you know, how ferocious the SEC is, but A&M should have a nice little stretch here to get right. Uh, to me, that's where you come down to what's what's going to happen with Sumlin and what's going to happen with the attitude of the fans over there in College Station because you got, I think they still got South Carolina, Auburn, and Vandy. Um, you know, those should be three wins, uh, but you know who knows, and then of course they got to go to LSU. So, but you look at your possible outcomes right now. If they end up nine and three with losses to LSU, Alabama, and Ole Miss, it's really not that far off from what we said they'd do at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, or what most people thought, and probably most reasonable Aggies thought. So maybe things aren't all that terrible. But if you, God forbid, if you lose to South Carolina at home when you're a 16 point favorite, or you know lose to Bandy or something awful like that. Uh, yeah, the Sharks are going to start circling. I, I don't see any way they go into Baton Rouge and win that game, no matter where LSU is at the time. 
Um, so, you know, they've got winnable games left on that schedule. Uh, I'm sure they'll be able to get right back on the hype machine for 2016 if they can close out 9-3. and three. But, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do. Um, and maybe the media and everybody else will learn to calm down a little bit, you know, when they're playing a bunch of tomato cans at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, there's a lot of college football teams out there that can pound the cupcakes. Uh, but it's it's what you do when you play Alabama. It's what you do when you play LSU that really shows you what kind of team you are. Yeah, it's easy to beat the Prairie Views and the Ball Stakes of the world. So, yep, and the reason I, I even spent any time talking about them, you know, is, you know, obviously they – yeah, I mean, they, people don't like to hear it. Yes, they are a rival. We are, we are uh, you know, not playing them now, um, which we know at some point that will change. And the reason I mainly brought it up is I did see four different bowl projections um, in the last couple of days of us and Aggie playing in the um, – in the Liberty Bowl up in Memphis, so I mean, you know, oh, who God. knows where that'll end? There's a lot of foot, there's a lot of football left to be played, so we'll see what happens. Big there. Big Mike's I mean, going to need a police I'll... escort down Beale Street if he's playing them in the Liberty Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 could be a uh, that could be a well. Uh, well, the, the positive of that is I know what hotel not to stay at, so that's that's a good thing. So. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that that would be an interesting um, three or four days up there at the um, up at the Liberty Bowl. But I mean, people do need to realize. I mean, we're, I mean, they are a recruiting rival. I mean, they're trying to sell something. Strong is trying to sell something, and and I mean, we're offering it and going after the same kids. I mean, it is a it is a Cold War rivalry, but it is a rivalry. So it, it is what it is. Well, let's make a few picks, man. The games are just not real good this week, but there is a couple I want to pick. So obviously, we'll start with a Big Twelve game. Um, Good Lord, why did my thing just refresh here? Oh, there we go. West Virginia at TCU. TCU is about a 14-point favorite. Um, I think that's good money. Um, I just don't think West Virginia is going to be able to hang with them. Um, I, I think I, I think this is going to be ugly. I think West Virginia will score, though, on TCU's um, defense that's injured. But I'm going to go with TCU. I'm going to say 49-31 um, TCU. Yeah, uh, I might use this as an excuse to cut out work a little early tomorrow and see if I can't at least get over by campus uh, to check this out yeah. since I'm in Fort Worth and got live college football in the Big 12 right down the road. Um, I West Virginia is just weird to me because yeah. when I just watched them, I'm actually fairly impressed with them. I mean, they've had they've they've played three toughies to start the conference play, and of course they're 0 and three, and I know their fans are very fed up. I think their expectation level is just out of whack. I, don't, I think Holgerson's doing all right. It's just uh, he's he's just still, still trying to build things. And when you open with uh, what they had OU, Oklahoma State, and and, uh, and Baylor, uh, that's, I think those are the three. That's pretty brutal. Um, if this was in Morgantown, I might have this as an upset special. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think you kind of so. nailed it. In, in Fort Worth, uh, Thursday night game. I think the crowd will be way into it and should have a pretty good crowd there for that game. Uh, so I'm going to say, I think, uh, yeah, TCU will cover. I'll say 40 to 23 TCU. Next one, pack game, Oregon, and Oregon's not very good playing at Arizona State, three-point favorite for State. Uh, I'm going to go Arizona State 38, Oregon 28. Yeah, um, so this is how I feel about the Pac-12. Arizona State seems to have turned it around a little bit. They're playing better. 
so they're due to just have an inexplicable loss again. <laughs> so I'm going to take Oregon to win on the road, 30 to 24. Ole Miss at Auburn. Now this is the game that's interesting to me. Uh, Auburn is just not a good football team. I mean, they lost in you know half a dozen or three times last week in Arkansas. Ole Miss is a seven-point favorite, you know, on the road, coming off a huge win. They kind of salvaged their season. Uh, I think this game will play closer than, than we think, but I think Ole Miss will somehow grind it out. Uh, I'm going to say 31-30 Ole Miss, and it would not surprise me if Auburn inked out a win. This was almost going to be my upset special, but I think I think Auburn is just that bad. They're not going to win. So 31-30 Ole Miss. Yeah, I'm. I mean, this is a tough one because how does Auburn bounce back after you know playing six overtimes or whatever? That's that always makes it a wild card. The thing about Ole Miss is, even when they beat Alabama, I just felt like something. They just, I don't know. I, I'm not a believer of Ole Miss. Uh, I thought you know A&M really played poorly. It wasn't that Ole Miss looked excellent. And then of course you know a lot of people watched that Ole Miss Memphis game where Memphis just completely dominated that game uh, after the first quarter. So I do think Auburn can win this one. I'm going to say 24-21 Auburn. Next one is it, this one is actually very interesting. Um, Stanford, 11 and a half point favorite at Washington State. The Pirates got a little something cooking up there. Um, I just don't know if Washington State's defense is going to be able to hold up to that power running attack. Uh, but I'm going to be crazy this week. I'm, this is my upset special. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think Washington State's going to move the ball. They're going to be excited. This is a game they've been building for for four years up there. Um, it's going to be high scoring back and forth. But Washington State will be will, will score with about a minute to go to win the game. I'm going to say Washington State 44, Stanford 43. Oof. Yeah, you know, it's funny that everybody just forgot about Washington State uh, once they lost. I think they lost to Portland State in their opener. Yeah. And everyone said, well, the leech is done, the Pirates done. Uh, but they've, they've turned it around, and they're playing good football. Stanford is definitely, in the little bit I've seen of them, they they will they will blow some coverages. So uh, Mike Leach has got to be licking his chops at that. Uh, I just go back to when in doubt, um, Stanford's power running game, um, I think is uh, is the difference, but it will be close. I think uh, I'll go 38-34 Stanford. The biggest cocktail party in the world, Florida is a two-point favorite, and I, I wasn't sure how good Florida was, but um, they they very well. Uh, I mean, it took a, a, a fake field goal uh, to beat them at LSU, and I think LSU is pretty good. Uh, Georgia's don't have the running back; they're kind of they're kind of injured. I like Florida to win this thing. Florida pretty much dominates this game, the big cocktail party. So I'm going Florida. I'm going to say 27-20 Florida. Yeah, I was impressed with Florida doing it with the backup quarterback. I'm going to say Florida rolls 30-14. to Next one, Oklahoma State at Texas Tech. And this is a 3 o'clock game. Boy, I bet. Tech fans wish this was a night game. Um, I, I really want to pick Tech uh, because, this, I mean, this has upset written all over it. I mean, Tech's at home. They're liable to score 40-something points. 
But, man, just as bad as they looked at Oklahoma last week, I mean, Oklahoma State's going to be able to run the ball. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised if Tech shocks the world here and and beats an undefeated Oklahoma State. But I just think Texas Tech has been overvalued. I just don't think they're that good. And, you know, so there's no way I'm picking um, Texas Tech. So I'm going to go Oklahoma State 40 – let's say 43-38 Oklahoma State. Yeah, I I watched uh, almost the entire Texas Tech-Kansas game uh, where they looked awful. And then the uh, Oklahoma game, they just got run out of the building. Uh, I haven't checked injury. I know Texas Tech lost, I think, an offensive lineman in the middle of that Kansas game. And it just, like we were talking about before, you know, you lose the linchpin and sometimes everything else starts looking shaky. So I don't know what their health situation is, but just strictly by going by the eyeball, I can't take them to win right now. I'm going to take Oklahoma State 33-27. In the game you mentioned earlier, South Carolina uh, without Steve Spurrier. Uh, maybe Steve Spurrier um, will be the new offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. According to posters <laughs> on Texag, they are they are already negotiating with him. So that should um, <laughs> along with uh, along with Sarkeesian. So that's. Um, Interesting names being thrown out. Um, yeah, A&M should win this game. South Carolina's not very good. Uh, I do think South Carolina will play inspired ball. Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Uh, I think Kyle Allen is not right. Um, so um, I'm going to go against what I think. I just I think I think the wheels are about to come off in, in, in A&M. I mean, they're just. A, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and pick South Carolina. I may regret it. But I think South Carolina is going to – this game reminds me of the, of the Louisiana-Monroe last year that Monroe had A&M beat and let them back in the game, similar situation. So I'm going to go with a, with a, with a wounded South Carolina against a wounded Texas A&M. I'm going to say 38-35, a last-minute field goal to just destroy A&M season. South Carolina wins. I'm sure that would just break your heart if that happens. It really would. <laughs> uh, I don't know. 11 a.m. kickoff, surly crowd. Uh, I, I just feel like this is one of those games where it's just going to be a, you know, you're going to you're going to sleep in on Saturday morning. You might flip this game on or flip around the 11 late 11 a.m. games. This one will put you right back to sleep, uh, get you a good nap before the 2:30 <laughs> games kickoff. I'm going to say A and M wins. Uh, 23 to 10, just barely misses the cover. I, I could see that scenario because, I mean, I just, it just has that Louisiana-Monroe-type um, game written written all mm-hmm. over it, so we'll see what happens. Well, there you go, Matt. It's 9.02. We actually went a little longer. We did. I went ahead and picked about three more games than I had on the original deal, but that's okay. As I scrolled through it, I saw a couple more that were, were kind of interesting. Well, let's get out to um, – get up to Ames. Um Get the win. Let's get back to four and four. Uh, coming home, and then we'll come home to get Kansas. Which uh, I mean, let's just say it. I mean, if we lose to Kansas, uh, uh, we will all be on, um, on 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 death watch. So, I mean, my, my prediction is when we uh, we're going to be four and four, and we're going to walk out of DKR five and four, going to Morgantown with a chance to to continue the the streak. So let's hope that happens. Uh, we'll see everybody next Wednesday. Uh, Matt, tell our listeners where they can find you. Sure thing. You can find me on Twitter at UT Tailgaters. That's just UT Tailgaters, no spaces, no hyphens. 
And, uh, yeah, we'll, as always, be talking World Series and football and anything else that comes up. Yeah, I know we're – real quick, I know we're one one game into the World Series already, but, but who do you like in the series? I really thought the Mets pitching uh, – I, I, I mean, if I had to go back, I probably would have – would have taken the Mets because their starting pitching was a little better. But after that game last night, I just don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah, and as that game went long last night, all I could think was, boy, when this is game one that goes 14 innings, boy, you better win it because uh, there's just something about that. A a playoff game that goes that many innings, it's just a huge momentum boost for Kansas City. And they're up 4-1 right now in game two, so – I mean, there's yeah. still a long way to go, and uh, the uh, new Shea Stadium, whatever they call it now, City Field, I think, it'll be rocking back in New York. But if if nothing changes, the Mets are going to be in a two-hole hole. Uh, I'm I'm just enjoying this series so far. Uh, game one was awesome, but both these teams are pretty likable. Uh, definitely no Blue Jays factor in here where there's you know, a bunch of idiots on the team. So I'm just hoping uh, it goes seven and we get some good baseball. Yeah, and I, I've actually enjoyed watching it. I, I couldn't make it all the way to the end. I, I, I fell asleep for sure. But, um, yeah, but yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, the loser of this game uh, is going to have to really um, bounce back, and right now the Mets have not bounced back. So we'll, we'll see what happens once they get back to, to New York. NBA season started tonight, so let me just – I'm going to do a quick prediction mm-hmm. on my Rockets. I think the Rockets are going to get to – I'm going to say – 57 wins. So let's remember that I said that. So we'll, we'll, we'll know in, a, in several months. But I'm predicting they're going to get to at least 57 wins. I don't know where that's going to get them because the West is extremely deep. But I'm going to say the Rockets get to 57 wins. So um, if y'all want to find me on Twitter, as always, you can find me at MD Horns Fan. We'll see you next Wednesday. Always remember, the eyes of Texas are upon you. Hook them horns. Let's get the win at Iowa State. Happy Halloween. See you next Wednesday. Cowboys in the Super Bowl No lonesome dove, no yellow rose If it wasn't for Texas I wouldn't be a really fan Nobody swelled the real If it wasn't for Texas Oh, words would never cross my mind There'd be no awesome city living sign No lone star of any kind If it wasn't for Texas Chase my dreams Only heaven knows Just where I'd be If it wasn't for Texas